0: Well, welcome back to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven, and as always, it's a pleasure to have your company. Today, I'm doing another program um, in the series of Voices from Ukraine. And my guest today, I'm delighted to tell you, is uh, Marina Lipovetska, who is head of projects and head of the hotline um, for Magnolia, which is the um, Ukrainian Child Rights Network uh, member. And um, they're a non governmental organization. And also, Marina is a board member. Of missing Children Europe is the nice connection because we've done some work with that before. Hello, welcome to you Marina.
1: Hi, hi David, hello everyone, thank you for inviting me.
0: So why don't we just start by asking a little bit if you could explain to us Magnolia, uh, the background and, and what the, the kind of targets are, what the purpose is of Magnolia and, and, and how it came about.
1: Uh, our organization Magnolia works more than 20 years in Ukraine and what is interesting to mention is that we were founded by an initiative of a group of journalists who unites uh, on the issue of missing children. Uh, The initial idea was, you know, to use media as TV program, TV channels and big boards and so on to share the um, announcements about missing children. And as much people uh, can see information about missing children, as much higher are chances that someone could see the child, some witnesses, and inform uh, us or relatives about where can be this child. So it was our first initiative and idea to help uh, search for missing children. Except that we are working on different issues of uh, children's rights on children's rights protection, and our main mission is to help reunite families. Uh, So our idea is here in Ukraine to support in any way families and children, and to to make everything that can depend on us uh, to uh, help uh, find children and protect them.
0: Okay. Now, I'm, I'm reading here before, but it's, uh, I, I really think it's very interesting, the background, because it was 2001, so that, as you said, over 20 years ago, that a group of journalists teamed up in order to form an organization to protect the rights of vulnerable children and their families. And in 2005, it said, uh, Magnolia was registered as Ukrainian National Non-Governmental organization. And you, you've since then become all sorts of different uh, partners with Ukrainian Child Rights Network, um, the Coalition Against Tortures, um, Missing Children Europe, of course, of which you're a board member and you mentioned in 2018. Uh, and in 2018, Magnolia joined the Eastern Partnership Civil Society Forum as a member, which is not uh, an organization I'm familiar with, but perhaps we can get around to that in a while. But Before the pandemic, before the war, could you just give us an idea of of the work you did and then we'll move it on and find out what influences you know. So before the pandemic, before the war, what Mm. were the main targets of Magnolia?
1: Uh, before the war, uh, the main uh, targets uh, uh, were uh, families of missing children, then missing children mm-hmm. and uh, orphans, children and children from institutions. Because for a long, long time, being Magnolia, the, our second area of work, uh, was you know to uh, assist our uh, country in the institutionalization process. I mean. Uh, you know, we are against institutions And uh, uh, we believe that every child deserves to live in a family. Even if uh, the child became orphan, it doesn't mean that uh, there must be in the country some institutions and uh, we support any idea, for example, foster families and so on uh, to Mm. assist uh, these uh, children in such a hard situation. And indeed, uh, I can mention uh, in Ukraine, there is a, a very high potential Uh, of uh, families who can uh, uh, adopt children. So, um, Mm -hmm. and I can even say that it is uh, for a successful area, uh, because uh, um, since uh, I can say um, 2015, Uh, We concentrate all our efforts on missing children, and our government to to call the responsibility uh, about orphans issue and institutionalization issue. So this goal, I can say from our side. um, Uh, was uh, effectively took, uh, but on the other side, the issue of missing children, unfortunately, is very relevant uh, from the very beginning of our development in Ukraine and sure till now. If to speak about how we worked previously before war and pandemic, uh, we uh, had a a huge massive support of Ukrainian mass media, which as I know is a little bit unusual for European countries because more 42 Ukrainian TV channels, uh, by voluntary only they will, they uh, for free place uh, TV programs about Ukrainian missing children and spread the word about missing children. So you had a good
0: lot of, sorry, you had a good lot of support from the media.
1: A uh, very huge support, very huge, uh, from TV channels and even from uh, advertising agencies. For example, big boards and uh, uh, advertising uh, announcements in, uh, you know, buses, train stations, uh, yeah. railway stations, yeah. and so on. Yeah. A lot of a lot of support and so all the information from witnesses very received on our hotline 000 zero zero. It is a special hotline for missing. Say children. that number
0: if you say that number again, please.
1: One one
0: six zero zero zero. One one six zero zero zero. Yes, the
1: European hotline and we in Ukraine have developed it by ourselves. Because as you know, Ukraine is a non-EU member state. Uh, So Angel Magnolia developed this hotline by our initiative will and by ourselves. And we are administrators of this hotline here in Ukraine. And all the information we receive from witnesses, uh, we collect it and transfer it to our police officers to help them to find four missing children.
0: What sort of numbers were you talking about before the pandemic? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean what, 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 in terms of numbers of missing children?
1: I can mention uh, it's about 300 cases per year. And if to compare numbers for all these 20 years, uh, we have received uh, around 2,200 uh, appeals on missing children, and these children were found with our support, media support, and witnesses. Uh, but uh, if to compare numbers with uh, situation which we have now, the numbers increase now
0: hugely. Of course, I, and and we will just of course we'll get to that in just a moment. I just want to set the scene, you know. Um, but what was before? Did you say you successfully found three hundred children a year, or there were three hundred children reported missing a year?
1: I reported missing to our reported. organization, yeah, yeah. Reported missing to our organization, and usually, if to compare, uh, around uh, two hundred and eighteen cases uh, usually were solved about this, but around uh, 30 cases usually have left as non-solved and uh, we continue the search every year.
0: Okay, so Missing Children Europe, uh, of which I know you're a board member, uh, says that in Europe completely, the whole of Europe, the very smallest number is 250,000 children every year go missing but you were saying only mm-hmm. 300 in Ukraine, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that was I the can, very- I,
1: I can explain if you want. Yeah, <laughs> I, can cool. ex, I can yeah. explain how to compare these numbers. Uh, in Ukraine, uh, uh, every year disappears a much more okay, a much more number of missing children, uh, but uh, the most uh, reports are our police officers, and since that, uh, according to all statistical data, most part of those children who went missing are safety and happily found during the first uh, 24 hours after they disappeared. So those cases are not transferred to us by police. We only receive cases from police about, Mm. you know, uh, such children uh, when they think police that it is a risky case and there is a need of a huge media support and witnesses support. Uh, So if to compare numbers which uh, publish our police, for example, um, previous years, yes, uh, we can talk about um, 15,000 reports on missing children, which includes calls on police hotline and so on and so on. But in most parts, Uh, cases. Uh, It was children, for instance, who just um, run away from school and then the same day they come back, but uh, their parents and relatives were sure worrying about them and they called to police. But uh, there was no need in huge, you know, informational campaign and to involve mass media. So uh, I can only talk about cases which uh, has Magnolia uh, when there are some risky cases. No, I I
0: Understand it's a, it's just a, a different way you record the data that that's understandable. Okay, look, let's move forward then because we've had such a huge disruption in Ukraine. Um, firstly, with the pandemic, because that was an entirely kind of um, huge threat to the to to the public kind of um, health and, and also to families. But then, of course, the war, which is causing huge upheaval. And difficulties, and um, even things like messages like the orphanages that have to be closed and finding places for children. And in the middle of it all, many children are going missing. How, how is Magnolia working in that atmosphere?
1: Well, you know, uh, from the very beginning, it was uh, sure very hard because we are, our office is situated in Kiev. Near exactly near the central railway station, and as you know, uh, railway station was under rocket attack a few times. Uh, So we couldn't uh, go to our office uh, uh, from the very beginning of war. And uh, no one uh, could uh, know where would be more safety. So we were hiding in some villages around Kiev or in the uh, next regions of Ukraine. Our hotline consultants were hiding in bomb shelters. Uh, But uh, from the very beginning of war, we understood that we can't, you know, just left behind our country in such horrible times, and we need to proceed with our work. Uh, Unfortunately, our hotline was not accessible from distance, so we developed a new format of uh, support for parents and relatives of missing children. This was online chats and Telegram bots. With uh, using of which you can report if you need support uh, to find your missing child or relative, and you can receive uh, psychological or legal assistance. Uh, And from the very beginning of war, I can mention that we received a huge support from European Community and especially from all members of Missing Children Europe. Indeed, it is not you know uh, a full sound because uh, f- from the 24th of February we started to receive messages from different uh, countries with which our colleagues informed us that they are ready to support and do everything that depends on them uh, on search for our Ukrainian children abroad who went missing abroad and uh, they even proposed us as uh, consultants maybe to go to their countries to live with them and uh, they could give to us, and we appreciate it very much. But uh, sure, our decision was to stay here and to continue, because uh, now we are needed here as much as it was never before. Because uh, indeed, we started to receive appeals, appeals, and then, you know, hundreds, uh, hundreds and thousands of appeals on missing children, we started to receive from the moment when we have developed these online chats.
0: Okay, so you've got a whole different kind of, if you like, um, landscape now, a whole different scenario. Mm-hmm. You had the hotline, which yeah. which then is now really, uh, you can talk to me about that in a moment perhaps, but you've also had to supplement it now with social media and any other way that you can think of to get information, to get data, and to, to be able to respond to the huge increase in numbers of both uh, people that want to trace missing children or people that want to report missing children. It, is that a fair summary?
1: Indeed, very correctly summary. Thank you very much. Okay. Indeed.
0: Sorry, carry on, please.
1: So, you know, uh, since the beginning of war, I would like to mention that uh, the numbers increased increased so hugely that on this moment, we received more than 2,367 appeals on missing children, which unites uh, cases of children who went missing with families or without families, but over 460 children went missing alone. Some of them went missing, you know, even abroad in European countries. So we are searching on all possible ways and in all possible territories.
0: If somebody finds, um, uh, has a, a question for, for Magnolia or has um, information to give you or wants to ask questions, um, I think we should just say that on the, the front of this podcast, I will put every link you give me to let people know how to contact you and how to contact uh, the authorities in Ukraine who are responsible for coordinating that data. So don't worry, we'll have all the details in front of this. But just for now, um, you said something about the hotline itself before possibly not being enough. Uh, Was that how I understood it?
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, but now, since God, we came back to our office in Kiev, and now accessible is uh, uh, as hotline 116000 mm. as uh, our IT tools, uh, uh, for example, our online chats and telegram bots. But what is important to mention and interesting for us is, as you know, unfortunately, some territories of Ukraine now are under occupation. Mm -hmm. And uh, there uh, doesn't work TV and mobile connection. But internet works. So we started to receive appeals via these online chats from our people from occupied territories and even from witnesses who have seen missing children on occupied territories, our Ukrainian citizens. They write us via these chats.
0: Okay. Uh, understood, and we'll have all these details available for people in front of this podcast. But tell me this, what you, you, you've obviously had many years of experience of working um, uh, with missing children and all about them and where they go, where to look, how to help, so on. But what's your sense of um, things at the moment? Do you feel that there are, as I would understand it, lots and lots of um, the displaced children internally in Ukraine, who possibly are out there and vulnerable and not being cared for by any responsible adults.
1: Uh, You know, uh, indeed, in Ukraine, there are 5 million uh, internally displaced people, uh, children, I mean, concretely. Uh, But I can't say that uh, no one cares about them inside of Ukraine because, indeed, you know, from the very beginning of war, the huge uh, wave of uh, NGOs, volunteers' efforts and so on increased so much. So uh, people and uh, uh, children who are here in Ukraine, they receive support as from governmental sites, from uh, governmental social services, for example, uh, as from uh, local NGOs in every region, I mean, every Ukrainian region, especially on the west of Ukraine, where most parts of children are uh, displaced because of uh, military actions. So, uh, you know, I am worrying more About uh, our children who crossed the border of Ukraine and uh, uh, went somewhere in European countries for example, without adults. This is indeed a very worrying issue because for these uh, children, I can't say that they are fully protected especially if to mention the situation that uh, children who are more than 16 years old, I mean older, they can cross the border officially by themselves without any adults and we in Magnolia received some cases, seven cases of un- unaccompanied uh, these children who crossed the border and disappeared somewhere in Europe and uh, with our colleagues uh, members of Missing Children Europe in closely cooperation and involving even into Interpol, we were searching for those children and uh, believe me it is very hard because there are some system gaps if, uh, if no country has registered uh, that they have crossed this border, uh, it is very hard to locate even in which country this child can be.
0: More and more and more difficulties have been um, presented because of, of, of all the disruption that's gone on. And as you probably know, because we talked a bit before, one of the particular worries I have is the... Um, opportunities there are for organized criminals to prey on these children and other vulnerable adults who are uh, refugees who are fleeing the conflict and i think that that opportunity to work with unaccompanied refugee children to my mind is something that needs to be addressed as a high priority because these children in my view i Asking if you agree, are incredibly vulnerable to any adult who had bad intentions, um, because they just want to be looked after and safe, and they'll be they'll listen to anybody who's who wants to um, take care of them. And these people will exploit them. So, um, are you hearing much evidence of that?
1: Uh, I agree with you that indeed this category is uh, very risky and worrying uh, unaccompanied migrant children. Uh, So the first step which I would like to pay attention for European Union and Mm. for all other countries is obligatory registration of all children. Who cross the border of your countries just to, you know, avoid this system gap? When our Ukrainian children flee from war and run away, and uh, just cross your border, and then they stay there alone and not protected. I know the situation, for example, when our Ukrainian uh, girl, uh, two girls from Odessa region, uh, you know, Odessa is under hard rocket attacks. And these girls, uh, they were very scared from the very beginning of war and they decided to escape. They have how, parents, how old were they? How old were they? Uh, 16 and 17 years old. Okay. Uh, they decided to escape, uh, they have parents in Ukraine, but uh, because of some reasons, I don't know which uh, parents couldn't uh, uh, cross a border. And uh, the, those girls decided to run away by themselves. they have uh, never uh, you know, been somewhere abroad, they don't have any relatives abroad. And uh, believe me, they checked and searched via internet, some websites or forums, some uh, volunteers, who can somehow they they thought as uh, somehow help them to cross Ukrainian border via a car, for example, and to to help them to go to some other European countries. So we can just imagine when two girls such age are searching via internet for some un- unknown people. Who can say that they are volunteers and they can help to transfer these growth to other european countries what are the possibilities that they will find indeed good people and indeed volunteers and on the other hand there is uh, for me uh, as for my idea there is a high possibility that they could find their internet not such a good people which would say that we are volunteers we will help you and so on and so on
0: yeah 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 i know i understand what you're saying it's, it's an enormous problem you, you are aware of the fact that i'm trying to get a, a, a project off the ground in the uk here where um ukrainian Um, adults who were in the care, who were working in the care system, who have been refugees themselves and come to the UK, they're effectively, that they can be um, partnered with social workers in the UK to work with unaccompanied children, I I guess Magnolia would support that initiative.
1: Sure, I think it is important to work on this issue and uh, fully agree. Please contact me,
0: and yes, sure, we can support. Okay. So look, we've got about another five, six, seven minutes to talk on on the podcast, but I just want to make sure that all the messages that you would like to say to the wider world are getting out there. Um, You've talked about how helpful Missing Children Europe, in its in its wide sense, has been, um, and to feel for for Magnolia to feel a member of that, to feel part of that. But what other things have you noticed that are needed that you don't see happening quickly enough? And you would like, you mentioned, I think, obligatory registration of unaccompanied uh, children. I think that's a, a, a fantastic yes. thing that we must keep pushing because that, will, that and only that will really give us a sense of numbers. But what other things would you like to see happen?
1: Uh, you know, I would like to mention one very, very huge issue uh, what is happening here in Ukraine? Uh, our children are forcedly taken by russians and displaced somewhere to russian territory and uh, i think that the whole world must know this information that here is going on you know uh, some genocide process when uh, they are taking our children and forcibly displacing them to russian territory and trying to adopt some legislation uh, to allow uh, adoption of our children but uh, if, to tell the truth, during the war, every country must respect the moratorium uh, of an adoption. Why, uh, uh, why so? Yes, because those children, first of all, they can be not orphans. The second, if even their parents uh, were killed because of war, they have some relatives. Grandmothers, uncles, aunts, and so on. So they have rights, you know, to reunite with their biological families. Those people have right to adopt those children, and there is no other options to allow any other uh, country to forcely take our children and to adopt them. And the second I would like to mention, unfortunately, that here in Ukraine, uh, we receive some information on po- political abductions, abductions of political reasons. Unfortunately, Russians have abducted the son of the Parisian region, uh, Ukrainian uh, head of administration, and they are blackmailing uh, this man. Uh, they have two 16 years old boy Vlad Burak somewhere on their territory, and their black man, the father, to do something uh, to take his son back. And uh, for this moment, three months already, the 16 years old boy is kept as a prisoner of war somewhere uh, on Russian territory.
0: And if I remember rightly, when you told me that story before, this was something that you just didn't read about. You know about this case, don't you?
1: We, we are sure we know about this case and we are trying to solve it but uh, I would like you know to uh, involve international attention and, uh, mm. and uh, mm. in every of my interview I mention this case because father uh, father asks very much to pay international attention and he hopes that this attention could uh, you know force these Russians just to let his son out. Absolutely.
0: Uh, I totally understand. Now, what other things would you like us to publicize about Magnolia? Because I'm more than happy to do that. Um, I mean, I know that you're very keen on awareness of human rights and how to protect human rights. You talk mainly about working and support of families with children and preventing the institutionalization of children. Now, that was a very um, fundamental tenet of Magnolia's kind of principles. Um, what about the care system in U- in Ukraine prior to the war, which has now has it now been completely disrupted, and therefore you're not sure of where lots of these children went who were being looked after?
1: Uh, You know, uh, if telling you the truth, the situation changed uh, completely very much. Uh, Mm. Initially, our government has uh, already, before the war and before the COVID, we have already uh, official strategic of the institutionalization of Ukraine. So Mm -hmm. they have an idea that uh, those institutions must be closed and uh, children must live in foster families or are being adopted and so on. But Mm -hmm. uh, if... uh, um, to compare, um, there were uh, as huge numbers of Ukrainian orphans uh, and there were not enough uh, foster families and um, adopters who can at the same time take all those children. So this process must have been previously, uh, you know, some uh, must have taken some time. Uh, This strategy was for five years. But when the war started, uh, our uh, government, uh, they have collected, developed some uh, online tool with which all Ukrainian families who want uh, to, not to adopt children, but uh, for some time, take those children who become orphans because of war now or who lost their relatives, for example, and it is unknown or those uh, people are dead or they are alive because we have a lot of such situations. Uh, for some time uh, those families can uh, support those children and take them uh, in their families and so on. Somehow a kind of foster families but uh, if to understand how uh, difficult now a situation uh, they uh, don't um, have to take uh, so much official regulations and uh, so much education as it was initially initial idea for official foster families. Okay. It was uh, somehow like unofficial foster families, and more than 20,000 Ukrainian families reported that they want to assist uh, uh, children and they want to take those children. So that's why I say that now our government and we understood that Ukraine has a huge potential of development in future uh office of foster families and uh, there are a lot of very kind people families who can uh, help those children and take them
0: well i think that's a very positive note to end on yeah. in a very very difficult time but i also think that people have got to be aware of the fact of how how strong and how brave the workers in Magnolia are by staying and doing the work you're doing in enormously difficult circumstances and um, how, well, how almost it must seem sometimes impossible, but you're still carrying on and you're still working. And I, I, will you send me all the details that I can put on the front of this podcast and um, so that how people can get in touch with you, how people can better understand what you're doing and how people can help. Sure, um, sure.
1: Thank you. About, thank you then? for nice words.
0: Well, no, I mean, Marina, you're doing the work. I mean, just, I just think it's great. And thank you very much for the time you've taken to talk to us about it. Um, so thank you very much indeed. And hopefully might we'll be able to do another podcast in the distant future and see what happens then and see how things have been going. So thank you very much for now.
1: Thank you. Thank you, David.